From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. This is the best beer show on the internet. According to our mothers. So, Miles, what have you been up to? Uh, Well, I went to the Twins game over the weekend. Oh, yeah? How was that? I didn't watch almost any of it because, well, because I'm not it's that baseball much. and baseball's boring. Yeah. Uh, so Chad, who's been a guest here, uh, got his hands on some tickets. He's like, "Miles, do you want to go?" And I said, "I will, but I honestly don't like baseball. If you're on the same page, I will go with you because then at least we can not care together." Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ended up going out. We had some. Uh, we brought some gin in a pouch. Okay. And then we had some beer there. Then we left and went to a bar, and then Omegang happened, and then tequila. All right. Needless to say, I did not brew on Sunday. Oh, yeah? No, I did not brew on <laughs> Well, what the heck, man? No, uh, so a couple of things. One, I didn't entirely have uh, your recipe like ready and laid out. Uh, additionally, I did, I did the final probably the second to the final final test on my mash ton setup. And so I ran into one little hiccup. I don't know if it's actually going to be a problem or not. Okay. I hooked it all up. Nothing was leaking, so that was wonderful. Uh, but it seemed like the the pump doesn't circul- recirculate fast enough. So when it's just the empty cooler with water in it, I had to put nine liters in, roughly, to get uh, to get an amount of water over where the heating coil is. Okay. Which is a lot of water. And so when I turned on the heater, it started doing its thing. The temperature went up. I set it to 105, and once it you know was getting there, it was shutting off and doing its thing. But then it kept on going and going and going up to about a 20 degrees over. Oh, dear. Yeah, so I'm just wondering if it's not circulating fast enough, uh, combined with just that's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe it'll be different if I actually have mash uh, grains in there with like a third of the amount of water. Yeah, maybe. But you'd think it would still stop. It would The, the element would it would hit its temp and stop recircling. Well, no, it's the, the recirculation doesn't stop. Uh, the recirculation is kind of what tries to keep the temperature yeah. uh, homogenous, but I, I'm thinking that because it wasn't recirculating, you know, enough water in a short amount of time, that you know the heating element was still heating things way above temperature before that temperature went down to where the thermometer, the thermocouple is, to tell it, okay, okay. now I'm way too hot. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe if we have the. Uh, you know, the grains there as, as a buffer zone, that that'll help. So that'll okay. be an experiment. Cool. Yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah. What have you done? Um, nothing super exciting. Uh, it's just been kind of, a, I've just been busy with work and stuff all week. It's, or well, the past couple of weeks, it's just been kind of just busy. We're entering our busy, busy season at work, and so I'm just... On demand? Well, yeah. Balls <laughs> the wall, you know, 10-hour days and all that fun stuff, so. Fair enough. Right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to Renfest this weekend. So Very that's cool. Thing. Very cool. I also have a four-day weekend. 
Very cool. Yes. So I'm thinking uh, within the next couple of days here, I'm going to steal some of your Pilsner malt, and I'll either try to make a beer, or I will at least run an experiment to see how messed up the temperatures are going to try and be. All right. So and and I already have an idea of what I can do to try and like work with the equipment I got. Is like if I turn it on, you know, and it's going to decide to accidentally heat way too much, I'll just literally shut it off twenty degrees short, let it kind of build itself up there, and then I should be able to turn it back on without it being like massive heat. Yeah, but aren't you worried a little bit about uh, maybe like grain scorching or anything like that? Like well, with a hot spot. Yes, yes, and no. I, I mean, ideally, the the fact that the water is constantly moving through it will help temper that. That that's the hope. That's that's the hope. That's Almost, the hope, yeah. uh, you should have done the uh, the hot water recirculation where you have the heating element in a separate container and you're running the water through that. Yeah, that's that's true too. But that would have been a lot more work and not as condensed. It, no, it wouldn't have been as condensed. And it wouldn't look as cool. True. Well, I don't know. When you're when you're brewing, you have all these tubes and stuff. That would look pretty cool. True. Uh I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm a little bit worried about scorching now that you're saying like you're having issues with your temp being overshot and Well, I mean, in fortunately in this case, it was uh overshot from like 120 or 105 to 125. Mm-hmm. Um and it's I don't necessarily think that I don't know. It's just something I'm going to have to run an experiment on. Uh, I mean, the first thing I got to do is put something in there to actually mimic what a mash is going to be like and not yep. a bucket of water. Yeah. Cuz yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just what it, that's what I'm going to have to do. All right. Uh well, uh we got a couple of emails this week. One of them uh did from you s- Did you send them to me? I or? did not. No. Okay. They weren't things that you needed to see. So until now. Okay, okay, so fine. Just, yeah, I'll just talk about them. Uh, one of them was we had a listener uh, pull a bronze medal at a uh, homebrew competition. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, it was at the Rails and Ales uh, Festival in, oh, he told me, and then I don't see it on here. Uh, but he did send me the winning recipe. Oh, cool. It was a an extract recipe. Um, it was seven pounds of LME, eight ounces of carapils, four ounces of crystal 40, and a pound, or, uh, no, I'm sorry, a tablespoon of gypsum. Um, and then an ounce of Columbus at 60 and an ounce of Cascade at five, fermented at 65 degrees with, uh, Thomas, you know how much this hates me. In fact, you put this on there. <laughs> you did Saffa five, man. Yes. I, uh. And he even put it out. And yes, you can make metal level beers with Sappho Five, Casey. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. In your no, face. just wrong. In it's your a, it's face. a bad Thomas. Rails nails proved it. Right. Uh, what was the style officially? Um, it is a yesterday the beer fest. Let's all right. Hang on. I I want to say it's a pale ale. So that's what it looks like. It was either like a pale ale or maybe an amber or something. Um, with with the pale ale in me and only a little bit of carapils, I'm gonna go pale ale. Okay, is is what I'm guessing. He didn't he didn't specify. Okay. Um, but he did say that he wants to uh, he want he wants hints maybe to see on how to take it from that bronze to the gold. 
uh, and he does say, you know, possibly experiment with finding a yeast that it's going to that's going to complement the hops a little bit more. Um, I, I I think that would be one of the easiest first things to try. Yeah, get something. Just don't change anything else except the yeast. See how it turns yeah, out. He also wants to convert it to an all grain recipe using uh, pale malt instead of LME, which I I agree. Uh, yeah. Well, it'll at least um, give you a little bit more control, and you can fine tune some of the grains that you're using. I would say two things. Um, either try it just literally as it is, translated to all grain, or do uh, the yeast. Yeah, no, do do one at a time. <laughs> yeah, and then. And then after that, you know, maybe try maybe try both. If then you, like you can get both. rid of the SAF 04 or 05, and <laughs> you'll be happy. Guaranteed. And then hit up Casey with the Vermont Ale instead. Uh, that, I, see, I wasn't a big fan of that one either. <laughs> you guys really liked it, but I, I don't know. Uh, and then the other email, uh, we heard back from Dwayne. Um, I asked him... Uh, he's our uh, Texas friend with uh Yes. Okay. With with he's he's the Malter. Yep. Uh and I asked him about kilning and his he said his the plan is to do the kilning in the oven and set off or uh setting off all the smoke alarms. Uh the batch I'm brewing <laughs> now wasn't kilned, it's just a pale wheat malt. I plan to experiment with future batches in homemade darker malts and caramel malts. I'm also going to attempt to make a gluten-free beer from malted grain sorghum. Uh, From reading up on sorghum beer, most seems to be made from sorghum molasses and not actual sorghum malt. Didn't know that. I guess I haven't done a whole lot of research on the gluten-free beers. I've tasted a couple of them and haven't been terribly impressed with a lot of them yet. There's been a couple that have been pretty good. There are a few. I think... um Oh, is it Greens? I think Greens uh, makes yeah, some maybe beers. Green something. They were they were expensive, like five to five or six dollar bottles. Yeah. Of, no, of the gluten free ones are not cheap. Yeah. At all. Well, I'm I'm just saying this. Uh, if if I'm remembering it correctly, they were surprisingly good, and they yep. had like a Doppelbach and like a Blondale, and so they they actually had some real variety, and I was pretty impressed with that. Mm-hmm. So no, I think that's really cool. Uh, as far as I'm, as far as I've read, uh, toasting your malt is the easier part. Yes. So. Yeah, but yeah, no. It. I was just curious because he had that really cool uh, malting machine, which and, I'm so jealous right? of. I uh, love a good DIY. Yeah, and so I was wondering if he had anything nifty going on with that, or if he was just kind of going with it and seeing what happened. Sweet. All right. Well, um, it is 11.46 p.m., so let's <laughs> dive into <laughs> our discussion topic, because it is way past my bedtime. It is. In fact, it's halfway to your wake-up time. Exactly. See, and I just got done with work about half an hour yeah. ago. So you're all jazzed and ready I to go. absolutely. Beer and in I'm hand, just dying. Sitting in the podcast. Now I'm going to quiz you. Okay. Uh, so you should actually know about as much of this as I should, and some parts even more. Because you've actually made lagers, and I have not. All right, so what are we talking about? Uh, because uh, we proposed that I'm going to try and remake your Pilsner now that we've learned more about uh, uh, grain mashing and water profiles mm-hmm. and how a Pilsner is so unique in those areas, I figured let's talk about Pilsners. Uh, so we're going to go through basically the process of how to make a decent Pilsner. I think this is what I was looking for, actually. 
I may have my Pilsner recipe for Yay! you. Yay! I asked him for this like a day and a half ago. Yeah, well, and then it got late. <laughs> That's, no, hang on. Oh, 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 nope. That's more blonde ale. Uh, let's see. Nope, that's a double IPA. We're, we're getting getting warmer. Getting closer. That is. Hey, there it is. This is my. This is this was my first. Oh yeah, no, this this was the last one I did. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're good. Uh, so, I, I'm assuming from the little information I actually got from you is that you made a German pilsner. Uh, this was a yes, a German pilsner. Okay, good. Um, well, yeah, and then I did I did half with uh, German pilsner yeast, and then half with Bow Pils. Okay, because I wanted to see. And do we do we remember how it turned out? It turned out uh, as it aged, it became a lot uh, better. Um, part of it was I mashed too long, and we got a lot of uh, DMS. DMS. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, so for today, we're talking about the German pilsner. Uh, so, what are do you know what some of the defining characteristics of a German Pilsner are? Uh, you that you have that straw gold color. It's pretty mm-hmm. uh, un, un mis, you know you can't really mistake it for anything else. Uh, crisp, uh, a good hop character. Surprisingly, like there there is yes, a yep. spicy floral hop character uh, that goes into these. Um, yeah, and that's that's really it. It's good, clean beer. It, yep, it really is. Uh, and then this is a bit more technical that I tossed in here, but I guess wasn't really part of the question. Um, it's 100% Pilsner malt. Yes. Typically. Yep. You so, can monkey around with that a little bit if you're doing like a bow pills but, or something. But the, but the traditional German style. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, so what are the other Pilsner styles, and how are they different from what we're going to make? Um, well, there's the Bohemian Pilsner, which yep. is a little, um, for lack of, it's not really more estuary, but it is, uh, they're, they're all pretty similar when it comes right down to it. Uh, there's, there's a few, uh, like the Bohemian Pilsner yeast is, is a little bit, it's, it's not, not a clean yeast, but it's, it's a little bit, it tastes v- very distinct. Sure. I'm trying to think of the right word. Yeah. <laughs> It's past my bedtime. Fair enough. Uh, there's there's actually a couple of unique things about it. One, it uses Moravian malted barley as opposed to just German Pilsner mm-hmm. malt. Um, and it goes for a more balanced uh, flavor with the hops. Okay. So it goes for well-rounded and then uh, almost exclusively Saz. Okay. Almost exclusively Saz. Yep. Um, and, yeah, just more balanced. And then do you know what the other Pilsner is? It's not Czech, I'll tell you. No, that. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't. It's the American Pilsner, oh. which I personally am not a big fan of what the recipe says it's supposed to be. What's the recipe say it's supposed uh, to be? It, it's supposed to be made with a high amount of corn. So Maize. it's it's basically saying it's the like American American light lager. Not well, well, not 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 that, but that's that's essentially. Well, there there is a reason it's in there. So uh, the American Pilsner uses American ingredients. So you're talking uh, American six row. Yep. Uh, you end up using American hops, uh, but because of the the six row Pilsner, it's very high in protein, mm-hmm. and so the corn cuts back on that. Okay. And makes it um, a much more reasonable to work with uh, Pilsner. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, 
we already have a recipe that we're going to be using. Would you be able to enlighten us on that? Yes. All Thank right. you. So remember, this is 10 gallons? Yes. All right. So um, so I called this Simple Pills. Uh, 10 gallons, shooting for an OG of 1050, an ABV of 4.85 with 36 IBUs. Almost all of those stats are like right in the middle. Yep. Uh, I did an SRM of 3. All right, so my grain bill, 18 pounds of pills now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's it. All right. Uh, And then I did two ounces of pearl at 60 minutes, and then an ounce of hollertau at 15. Straightforward. I like it. Yep. Yeah. And that's pretty much what they're supposed to look like. I mean, they're they're supposed to They're very simple, simple uh, beers. And then for this one, I used... Uh, y yeast, uh, German lager, and Y yeast, Bohemian lager. Okay, which I don't, I don't know if I've ever had oh, either of um, them. And I mashed at oh, yes. one forty nine for ninety minutes. Go figure, huh? Right. All right. Uh, so I plan on only making a single gallon of this. Uh, let's see. But you like to make ten gallon, ten gallons of beer at a time, right? Yeah. What does this mean for your yeast starter? Um, I made two very, very big starters. Um, well, I, I stepped up, so I bought, I bought two smack packs and then I stepped them up into, uh, growler sized starters. Nice. Yeah. Now here's a question that, uh, kind of popped into my head while I was doing some research here that a lot of people actually wonder about what temperature do you have to start your yeast? Because I mean, there's obvious the whole lagering phase. Is that is that what you want to go for with your starter? Uh, that's what I pitched at. Um, it's not what I like. My starter, I kept it around uh, like fifties, nothing nothing crazy low. Uh, but because you still you want it to be uh, active enough, where like I want to say it was like fifty five, sixty maybe. Uh, it, I wanted it to be active enough where the yeast would populate. Or repopulate, sure, uh, but not so high that I'm gonna gonna start training that yeast to chew at higher temps. Sure. Uh, so, do you think it's so? I, I actually have an answer here. There's okay. been plenty of research. Do you think that it's actually uh, a significant? Would there be a significant difference? No, nah, I really don't. The answer is no. Uh, and the the biggest concern, is, and you kind of touched on it, is the idea that if you ferment it at the warmer temperatures, uh, that you're going to mutate the yeast into that's what it wants to mm-hmm. do. But the thing is, is, that's what it wants to do already. Yeah. Um, we don't lager yeast at those temperatures because that's what it likes. We lager it at those temperatures that's because what that's what like. we like. Yep. That's what we like. And it's it's suggested that you actually do it at uh, normal temperatures because that's just when they're active uh, because it will get those um, the population where you want it to in the time frame that you expect it to be. Yep. Um, also, when it comes to the, the quote-unquote mutations, there's not enough selective breeding for that to ever be yeah, a Yeah, you have to be going a few generations down the road. You also have to be... Uh, it, it also has to be like in between batches. You have to be doing the yeah washing the yeast, washing the yeast because then you're actually deciding what stays, what doesn't, and then reintroducing it to the same situations over and over. Makes so sense. as far as yeast starters, just treat it like anything else. Okay, cool. 
Uh, so the mash, we spoke uh, at length in previous episodes about uh, mashing and water profiles, but let's delve into uh, the water and profile for a Pilsner real quick. Okay. Uh, so do you remember what I said as far as the water profile goes for what a Pilsner likes? I want to say sulfates. No, that's not what we want because we do the rest to kind of make sure we blow off all the sulfur and stuff. But no, there's a lot of sulfates in Pilsners as a as a rule. By a by comparison, s- the answer yes. to that is very much yes. Uh, so as far as anything that you any of those chemicals that you want, you want like zero or very low numbers, except your sulfates which are going to be in this like medium or medium to low range overall, but much more than anything else by contrast. Yep. Uh, so an example would be uh, 60 parts per million of your calcium, 10 parts per million of magnesium, uh, 90 parts per million for your sulfates, 60 parts per million of your chlorides, nothing of anything else. They even like low mineral content water. Mm-hmm. <coughs> So I haven't yet been able to get uh, the profile for River Falls water. So I think I'm just going to do like a 75-25, cut it with uh, distilled, and back it up with a little bit of yeast nutrient. Okay. And then we're going to try that. And if it turns out well or if it doesn't, I also bought a um, a packet of salts from Northern Brewer over the weekend that I can just do distilled water with some yeast nutrients and this stuff. Okay. So... To potential brews to see how it works yep. out. Uh, let's see. Uh, so what do we know about the mash itself beyond the water profile? Low and slow. Low and slow. What does that mean? Well, just keep it low. Um, you want a nice low mash temp. Okay. At least uh, just because it's it's what you're... I don't know. At least that's what I do when I'm doing pills is keep the mash temp low. Sure. And that helps crisp it up, crisp up yep. the flavor. Go figure. This is something Casey likes, right? Yeah, keep it nice and dry. <laughs> uh, so, what is what is traditional for a pilsner? Do you know? I don't know. It's it's actually decoction mash. Oh, the crazy, yeah, yep. yeah. I knew and that. they they only have a three step decoction mash. And I found a couple of recipes that you know. Are you going to do a decoction, Miles? No, it's it's mostly unnecessary. It's completely mostly. unnecessary. Yeah, for yeah. For our, for our modern malts, it is not necessary. Yes. Uh, and then for people who don't want to do a decoction mash, they can do a step mash instead to at least, you know, it's like the it's next... It's like a pretend decoction. It, yeah, it's pretty much like a pretend decoction. It's a lot easier, it's less messy, and it's a little harder to mess up. Yep. Um, otherwise, you can do single step infusion mashes for your pills. You sure can. You sure can. I think the most interesting recipe I saw um, had a two-step sacrification rest. Seems like a lot of work. Uh, the The difference was uh, the temperatures w- that the alpha and the beta amylase are, yeah. are active, and so they did a 30 and 30 for each. Um, but other than that, how long do you think we should mash? Not 90 minutes, guys. Only 60. Just stick it. At, keep it at 60. Yes. Uh, so there's two big reasons that I can touch on for that. Do you know what they are, perchance? DMS. DMS is one of them. <laughs> so the idea is that uh, DMS gets produced, you know, during a lot of the steps in home brewing, uh, particularly when it's hot. Yep. Just in general, if it's hot, DMS is being produced, uh, short of being boiling. 
So, and when it comes to longer mashing times, usually or there are very few cases where you actually want to try and do that. And with a 100% base malt, that is never going to be the case. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I also did a 90-minute boil on this on this beer. You actually do want to do that. Yeah. No, yeah, you know, and so I, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was going to keep the 90-minute boil and reduce the mash temp, and that, I think, should boil off on my DMS. Yes, yep. And then uh, the last the last thing to know is that you do want to cool quickly because, short of boiling, if you decide to take a long time, you can start building some more of that DMS yep. up uh, in the meantime. So short mash, long boil, quick cool. So And, and those are some of the big, big things that are going to help keep that DMS down. Also, Make sure you don't pitch until your beer is down to temp. I can't yes. I can't stress that enough, uh, especially when you're working with loggers. You want that beer to be down to that 50-degree range before you pitch. Yeah. Uh, yep. Make sure you have a big, healthy yeast starter, uh, or you're pitching, like, 14 smack packs. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, yeah, that was that's a bit facetious, but you want a very active yeast because you're going to be keeping it cold, and it's not going to want to do its job, so you need a lot of it. Yeah, yep. And in the grand scheme of things, it actually is harder than you'd think to overpitch. Yes. It's easy to underpitch. It's harder to overpitch. If over you pitch. think you're going to overpitch on a logger, pitch another smack, smack pack as well, and then you probably should be fine. Yes. Uh, and then the last thing to, to touch upon right now would be the loggering process, because I've never actually done it. Uh, explain to me what you know. Like so there's the there's there's a, there's a few there's a few different schools of thought here, um, and I've I've tried um, both of them, and I kind of like uh, what's called like the quick logger method a little bit better because it's a lot faster. Okay. Uh, but basically, that one is you get your beer down to uh, logger temps for a while, then you uh, for know, about a week or two. To let it do that thing, then you bump it up to do the diastole rest at. Uh, I have that written down somewhere, but it's I want to say six, like fifty eight, sixty. Okay, somewhere in there. That, that you, sounds actually that sounds uh, yeah. about right between okay. fifty fifty five. Yep, you, yep, yeah. Then you do your d rest for two days. Then you step it back down uh, for another uh, another week or so, and then you let it free rise um, until it finishes out, and then you're done. Fair enough. Uh, the other one is the more traditional way, where you logger it for two weeks, uh, where you well, I guess you ferment it for two weeks um, in your low, uh, like low fifties, upper forties, and then you do your diastole rest like usual. Okay. And then you bring it back down to logger temps for a month. That sounds like a long time. It is, but it does result in a slightly cleaner beer than the other method, um, but it's almost imperceptible, okay. and so you get, one of them you get beer faster, the other one you get beer just a little bit cleaner, so it really depends on where you want to sit. Faster. Faster, yeah, so faster. do the, yep. yeah. So, yeah, the the plan is I'm going to do my best to... Uh, Make Casey's beer, and then he will lager it for us, and then we will bring it back and tell you how it works out. La la la, lager, lagers. Man, I like lagers. 
Dude, they're fantastic. So good. Oh, speaking of lagers, I have some Oktoberfest that we got to drink up. Okay. For one of these shows. Sounds like a plan. You're right. You really had to twist my arm for I that know. one. I just, well, it was more of a reminder to myself than anything. Mental notes. I got a lot of it sitting over in a stack over there. <laughs> uh, Eric says he might be here next week. Uh, well, I know he'll be here on Sunday. So I guess that's what I mean. Yeah, because we're transferring that uh, that that thing into a keg. That thing into a thing? Yeah, and we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about the barrel. Okay. Um, because we'll have a barrel update. I tasted it, by the way. And? We'll talk about it. Ah, you're going to do that to me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give too much away. Yeah. All right. Um, I have a thing, a thing, yeah. a thing, a thing, a thing. You should be pushing more buttons than you are. Yeah, I know I should. Well, guys, that uh, wraps up our show for today because I need to go to bed. And I need to go home and not go to bed. Because I'm a little baby in its crib. All right. Well, if you like to, <laughs> <laughs> there's your sign. <laughs> well, guys, uh, if you enjoyed this episode <laughs> and you'd like to support us, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/BlindNewsStudios and become a patron today. Or you can click the patron link at the bottom of our homepage. If you're gonna do any Amazon shopping, head on over to uh, BlindNewsStudios.com and click on the Amazon affiliate link at the bottom of the page. Do your Amazon shopping as normal. Uh, and Amazon sends us a cut because they're awesome like that. Or if you would like to become 30% cooler, guaranteed, head on over to store.blindnewsstudios.com or click on the store link at the bottom or at the top of our homepage and buy yourself a Blind Ninja Studios t-shirt. They are awesome. They are. They are so cool. I can see the one you're wearing right now. Yeah, and it's dead sexy. <laughs> All right, guys, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week.